Barry Levinson, and you're listening to FilmWax Radio. Hey, everybody, it's Adam Shartoff, your host of FilmWax Radio. It's Friday, September 10th, 2021, and this is episode 685. You know, before I get started, I just want to mention that next week marks the 10th year anniversary of FilmWax Radio. You know, it didn't start necessarily as a podcast, although it did quickly catch up within a couple of years. But, you know, it started as an internet radio show. But the show itself, FilmWax Radio, started on September 14, 2011. So what we're going to do over the course of the coming weeks and months is I'm going to try to bring back lots of my first earliest guests and catch up with them. So we'll start with that next week, which really does mark the 10th year anniversary of episode number one. So we'll be talking to Zachary Levy, who is somebody. Now, if you want to see hear those these episodes, I'll make them available for periods of time as I bring the guests back. But for to go back to the very beginning of the show, at this point now, you would need to be a Patreon subscriber of the show, patreon.com slash filmwaxradio. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's one of the few ways that I could figure out how to give perks to those folks and for as little as three dollars a month you can become a patron of film wax and help celebrate the 10th year anniversary of the show today's episode i is it's interesting i just spoke to probably the third first time filmmaker i i just two of my guests today are on the show for the first time both ebes Bruno and jonah feingold are first time filmmakers yet both achieved fully realized great movie and and both got great festivals and both got major distribution which is really something it's quite a feat for a first-time filmmaker and then we're going to next week bring on yet another who i spoke to yesterday uh, it's just an un- unusual coincidence so we're going to talk to ebes burnow with his documentary the capote tapes um, which is a great documentary, and Eves was terrific. And then, then we're going to talk to Jonah Feingold, who has a movie, it's a comedy, it's a romantic comedy, it's called Dating and New York. Both films open today, Friday, September 10th, and both, episodes, both segments, I should say, are also available on FilmWax's YouTube channel if you go to youtube.com slash filmwaxradio. The Capote Tapes opens theatrically in New York, Los Angeles, and Portland, today and then it will uh continue to open more widely in the coming days and weeks ahead theatrically speaking so answered prayers was meant to be truman capote's greatest masterpiece an epic portrait of new york's glittering jet set society instead it sparked the downfall for the iconic author of breakfast at tiffany's and in cold blood through never-before-heard audio archives and interviews with capote's famous friends and infamous enemies the capote tapes reveals the rise and fall of one of America's most influential writers and public figures. Not to repeat myself, but it will be at the Quad Cinema in New York, at the Lemley Monica Film Center in Santa Monica, as well as at the Lemley Town Center uh, in Encino, and the Lemley Playhouse 7 in Pasadena, and at the Cinema 21 in Portland, Oregon. All today, you can go to Greenwich Entertainment website, I suppose, to get details about the coming weeks, the 17th and 24th, where it will be opening wider and wider. So do check that out. We'll have all those links in the show notes. Here it is, my conversation with Ebes Burnow, only here on FilmWax Radio. He's a darling of the beautiful people and also manages to get his work done. Truman Capote. Oh, God, didn't you ever hear this story? So he was wicked, he was fun. Well, he was rather a 
spectacle. There's nothing ever like him on the American scene. In those days, there were very few people who were out. He had a special life, and he was going to live in a special way. He really thought a way to make the world you live in art. Won't you join me? We all think of Audrey Hepburn now, and of course you read the book, and it's completely different. In Cold Blood is what I call the non-fiction novel. In Cold Blood propels him into a world of achievements. His intellect made him a complete original. Truman is going to be read by generations. For a couple of years, we've been waiting for answered prayers. I refer to it now as my posthumous novel. Because either I'm going to kill it or it's going to kill me. Eves, how are you? I'm swell. How are you? Okay, good. Thank you very much. We're going to talk about the Compote Tapes, which is premiering uh, theatrically in New York and in Los Angeles on the 10th of September. We'll talk about that in a moment. But... I've been wanting to talk to you because I need to know a little bit more about the political chapter in these crazy ass times that we're living in. I just kind of want to know how you ended up in the political sphere. I mean, you were, I, I guess, adjacent in the sense that you, right, you were working on campaigns and then you were, you, right, you've been working on campaigns and then also you were social secretary for the Obamas. Yep. Yep. Is that right? Yes, yes. Let's spend like five minutes, and then we'll talk all about Truman Capote, who I was always an enormous fan of. That's why I wanted to talk to you until I start reading more about you. And then I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've always been, I I grew up uh, in a family that believed in uh, political service and, 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 or should I say in, in service and government service also, but and loved politics, and I loved politics from a young age. And uh, were your parents directly involved in politics too? No, no. My okay. mother, my mother was um, politically minded, and I had a lot of family that had been in politics for for years and years. And 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 you know, I grew up with it, and I grew up campaigning for friends and family friends, and so it was always in my uh, DNA. And. Right. Gotcha. So when I, I got to, to college and uh, loved it and, and left and worked on uh, a ton of, of, you know, worked on presidential campaigns and then worked on races in New York City for the mayor and the attorney general and the governor of Maryland, you name it. And uh, eventually I ended up uh, on, I got on in 08, in 2008, yeah, on the 08 campaign as uh, Mrs. Obama's political director and was based out of Chicago and then went with them uh, to DC to the white house and became deputy white house social secretary and, and did that. And then have left and went on to do other things. And, uh, but I've always kept, and and I remain um, passionate about policy and politics. And, and so it's, it's, it's in my, it's in my blood. Apparently. So I admired that as I age, I I become more progressive and more, engage myself as opposed to the other way around which is the way i always heard it's supposed to be when you get older you're supposed to kind of mellow out and chill out but i don't know uh, but you're are you from tallahassee i am from tallahassee yeah okay so you're from florida okay. that's another conversation florida is another conversation we'll have that. we'll have that conversation florida is yeah, conversation. we need you in florida but i'm not recommending or encouraging you to go to Florida. I'm yeah, just saying. It's it's wonderful to visit. I, I love visiting. You but, have family uh, there. I still have some, quite a few family, quite a bit of family there. I love visiting, but I'll keep it at that for the, for the moment. And are you in New York? Because I think I heard you say something that led me to think that you might be in New York. Yeah, I'm in New York right now. I'm in New York okay. right now. Yeah. Okay. Now, it just sounds like you had a very, very lively uh, home life growing up and that your parents were they you know were engaged and they expected probably a lot from their children and so maybe there were a lot of books around it because I'm trying to figure out it sounds like you got into Truman Capote for instance relatively young um, which I did too but you know but I grew up in New York City so (laughs) you know like it was part of our you know, the, like the lifestyle in the 70s when I was growing up, you know, Truman Capote was this enormous star. And he was, uh, you know, in on Park Avenue. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. No, I, I'll tell you, it, my my story is kind of 
I don't know that it's that interesting, but my my parents were divorced and I grew up only with my mother who was um, who was a third grade teacher and I'm an only child. And so she, uh, yes, really, really impressed uh, upon me books and literature and 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 I can remember going home at you know eight or nine and you would I would go into my bedroom and there would be little articles that she had cut out of you know whether it be the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal and the Tallahassee Democrat and the Atlanta Journal Constitution and there would be a highlighter on my bed and <laughs> I had to read the articles before dinner and highlight any words that I didn't know the meaning of and then I would take a little yeah and if you if you didn't do that you get a demerit I well I would take the little stack of 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 um you know articles and when I'd get to the dinner table she would be sitting there and I would sit next to her and in between us was a big old fashioned dictionary and so we would talk about the article and then I would sound out the word that I'd highlighted and we'd look it up in the dictionary and that was how dinner was so literature and reading were were paramount and I also had a great librarian uh, who this? Who I should reach out to? Actually, I'm going to do that today, actually, because I've been thinking about her. Because she actually, um, I was quite young, and she was the librarian for the, for the, you know, the high school, and I would go to her library. I preferred to go there and read, and she would push things to me. And I'm pretty sure it was Mrs. Korst who gave me. I want to say it was Miriam, um, the Capote short story, and then from that, I just kind of. Uh, you know read everything and 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 obviously being the south you know the that kind of southern gothic literature that 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 way that he writes um is so reminiscent of you know the way we we often speak and live down there Mm. growing up a son of an educator it's it's i can i i see the connection now but it didn't mean you necessarily had to love reading but it sounds like you you no, did I did so. yeah oh you did a great it, I did it, I did I just happened to I really did I still love reading. I have a great I mean I I you know I can read all day yeah I'm the same way in the same way so I really like these documentaries about literary figures too I mean you know not all <laughs> they don't always all make you know a, an entertaining but can you can you imagine a documentary about Truman Capote that isn't entertaining, you know? He had such, I mean, he was such an entertain. he was such a character. Oh, very much so. And I'm just wondering, um, this is your first documentary. Yeah. Right? Is first, it your first film? First film. What, so what happened there? <laughs> now, how did that happen? I'm going to make a documentary, and then you made the Capote tape, which, which ended up being this big, huge success at the Toronto at TIFF. Yep, and, yeah. and and then got distribution and is now on its way to theaters all over the place. Yeah, you know, I it was really I was I was reading I was reading I was reading a uh, a biography of uh, Bill Paley, uh, the founder of CBS, and it was a big tome called "In All His Glory," and I got to the end of it and I thought, okay the two most interesting people in this book are Bill or Babe Paley and Truman. Right. Paley. right. And she was one of the swans, one of the swans, the a number one swan. And from that, I just really, I, I kept, I went back and I reread all of, of, of Capote's work. And then I read the biographies and I read, um, I read a lot about Babe and, and Slim Key, the swans as it were. And then mm-hmm. I realized that, Despite two feature films, um, uh, Infamous and uh, obviously Capote, both of those had really focused on Truman and his writing of In Cold Blood. But I didn't think, I didn't see, I couldn't find anything out there that was really uh, a definitive and comprehensive examination of his life in total and who the man was. And I was really, I was really curious. So I just kind of set on my journey. As I said, this is, you know, the documentary, the Capote tapes, and the tapes are by and large the product of these George Plimpton interviews that he conducted with Truman. So you're able to use those as your one of your primary sources. Yeah. I mean, those tapes, you know, so so George started working on that book, uh, well, his oral history, uh, not long after Truman died. And 
he spent about 10 years working on it. And I had that book um, was one of my great resources. And I was introduced um, to George's widow, Sarah, who is an extraordinary woman. And through that, at some point we were talking, she said, you know, I think I have some some of George's tapes where he did these interviews where he interviewed people. I said, I don't know, that would be cool. And so she was so generous and um, unearthed these tapes that, you know, had been in, you know, in boxes and crates, you know, like in the attic or wherever. And, you know, we got them digitized and, and transcribed and, you know, it was hundreds of, it was tons of hours, hours upon hours of tape and started really listening and going through and, you know, we, I was already in the process of making the film. So the tapes became this kind of this gold dust that that she. Oh, my gosh. So you're you, you're saying is you already were had started the film and then you found the tapes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You must have felt this ex machina or something. Very, very incredible opportunity. Yeah. For you. It was a great. Uh, did you great feel film. like the big thing for 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 a lot of us that know Truman Capote and the history of Truman Capote and it's there in your film, but is, you know, he just had this huge, like this trajectory, unlike almost any other author of his, you know, and certainly of his generation where, you know, he just, as you already mentioned, he wrote other voices, other rooms and he wrote in cold blood. Well, you don't know. Then he wrote uh, to breakfast at Tiffany's. Right. And then he wrote in cold blood or yep. I had the order. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, one huge success after another. And then all of a sudden it ends. Mm-hmm. So he's like, now he's a celebrity. And right, no, world famous, and he hits a wall in a sense. And I'm just, what do you feel in your research? And because it sounds like you did a lot of research, that you kind of figured out, well, what is it that broke, or what is it that? Because he did write this chapter for for it, right? Answer prayers. Answer, thank you. Answer prayers, which was the book he swore he was writing and finishing. But we kind of figure out probably he wasn't. He did write a chapter, of course that was this very explosive thing where he sabotaged his relationship with the the swans, right? But but did you get any closer to figuring out his mind? Yeah, I think, look, I think the wall that he hit was, one, getting caught up in other people's lives. And I don't mean that in like a gossipy sense. I mean, though, that's true as well. But I mean, <laughs> It's there. <laughs> I, it's definitely, definitely there. Yeah. But I mean it more in the sense of he got caught up in you know, living a lifestyle of the rich and famous and being okay. on so-and-so's boat and holidaying with so-and-so. And I mean, I think there was so much of and being, you know, skiing in Switzerland and doing this. And not that those things are bad, but I think for him, they they mm. became kind of like a permanent vacation. Now, what I will say is he was consistently, he did write. And when he was writing, he was very structured about 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 writing. But I think between the vacationing and the drugs and alcohol, which I think were really drugs and alcohol were really the thing that um, even if he wrote through it, you can sense that the writing's just not as crisp. It's not as strong. It's not, you know, maybe not up to his own standards. Yeah, precisely. And so Mm -hmm. I actually, I'm a believer, you know, I, I think he was, I do think he was writing answered prayers. I think, you know, I don't know if he finished it. I'm not sure if he you know, burned it or hid pieces of it. I, but I definitely think he knew that it wasn't up to his standards and he was a perfectionist. And he had spent his entire career, you know, answered prayers that, you know, that scandalous bit where, you know, he's telling all of these secrets of his friends of 20 years. That in many ways was a lot of what Truman's writing was all about. I mean, Breakfast to Tiffany is not a a walk in the park uh, a book, right? You know, the Audrey Hepburn character in the film is, you know, it all works out. And the book, it's it's a lot grittier. Uh, but it well, was... also the George Papard. And so also was... the George Papard part, exactly. So neither one was uh, reflective of the, the, the okay. characters in the book, really. No, and yet you had so many people after that book, so many socialites saying, well, and especially after the film, saying, oh, you know, Holly Golightly was based on me. And it's because that writing is so, and, and Norman Mailer from his own lips says it in the film, you know, he wrote the best sentences. That writing was so beautiful and so crisp and so intriguing 
that, you know, you can't fault, you want to be a part of that, even if it's not glowing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't think maybe it's too romantic to say that after writing um, uh, In Cold Blood, that maybe he just had been injured, psychically speaking. No question. Uh, Definitely. Definitely. He definitely, he definitely had a breakdown after, um, after writing In Cold Blood. And there was, and that's what I mean. And I, when I say vacation, I mean, look, he needed to recover and his friends, these same friends he would later write about, they took him in and really nursed him. Um, But it then just kind of went on and on and on and on. (laughs) and on it yeah. kind of lingered into <laughs> yeah. the ultimate vacation experience well right and with the alcohol and everything else and uh i could see it and then he became he's a professional celebrity you know right uh, and studio 54 uh, studio 54 and you know it yeah. becomes a party life wasn't a great decade to be <laughs> liberated maybe for an author who needs to be hunkering down and working, exactly you know? exactly it's a party year uh, the 70s were kind of the party years you know Totally. Um, yeah. Okay. Once again, Eves and it's Bruno. Bruno. Or, yes. Perfect. Bruno uh, is the director. The Capote tapes. It's coming into New York to get the quad. I guess yep. Greenwich, who your distributor has a friend, relationship with them. Yeah. Uh, what a great theater. And then, uh, theater. I mean, I grew up going there. And then uh, in Los Angeles at the Lemley, Monica, uh, Encino, and pa- Pasadena. So, yeah. and then on the seventeenth of September, it's going to go real wide. Uh, to uh, uh, cities all over, and then uh, and then later in October it'll be available in your living room. Right. <laughs> or, on demand uh, sounds like uh, on demand. Yes. So uh, anyway, I'm so glad for the opportunity to talk to you about it. As we wind down, I, I, is there a point where you feel like you have a relationship with Truman Capote? Yes. What a good question. Yes. Um, but like, um, yeah, I guess that's true. Yes, there's a point at which you feel, I feel, I do feel like I have a relationship with Truman Capote. I don't know that that relationship is always one of, um, you. I don't, he's not a person I want to hang out with all the time. Um, but he is a person that I have a relationship with and I have, and I have become oddly, which I never thought when I was beginning this film, I've become oddly protective of. Um yeah. Because I think, I think for all of the, for all of the, the way that the world remembers him for the talk shows, for the, the witty remarks, for the often kind of callous or, or quick witted, nasty cut downs that he was known for. I think what I learned about him was also that this was a person who at his core really just wanted to be loved and was a gay man in an era when that was a, in many ways, illegal and B, he was open about who he was. And so he, you know, for me, the most, the, the, the thing that changed my, that informed, not changed, but further informed my thinking about him was when I met Kate Harrington, who of course is, the daughter of one of his lovers who he adopts when she's 13 and and i thought to myself and i have come to i I love kate and i I was just with her recently actually Uh and and it's an amazing thing because it's like anyone you realize that this was a person who could not you know the life that i live today i have a 16 month old and i have three older children the life that i lead as an openly gay man you know, I can take for granted. I can say, oh my gosh, we have a family. And look at my husband and say, we have a family and how exciting. And that wasn't something that was just, uh, it wasn't just, it wasn't just easy like that for him. And so I think I've become more protective of him in the sense that we're all very layered and complex people, but hopefully our goal, and this is why I believe in politics and why I've worked in it and worked in government. Our goal is, that for the next generation, we've done something to make life a little better, to make things a little easier, to make things more equitable. And so I think my relationship with him has become such that I think we've overlooked him and his courageousness uh, for being who he was when he was that person. 
and I'd like to see that remembered a little bit more than I think it has been. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. It was great meeting you, and I hope we can do, you know, another one of these sooner than later. Uh, I don't know Love if that. you've got more, maybe now that you're a big documentary filmmaker, successful uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm back whenever. You call, I'm there. All right. It's great to meet you. that. Uh, um, and you too. And uh, good luck with, I don't know if your kids are school age, but I know that. I've got my, young, our youngest is 16 months. So we, you, thank goodness we haven't been in the. It's been a little while for that. We right, haven't been in the crunch. Then the olders are, the, 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 the olders are much older. So. Okay. Okay. Well, it was really great meeting you. I've been wanting to talk to you about the documentary. It's called the Capote Tapes. And I'm excited to encourage people to see it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. All right. Take care. Bye. Truman saw everything and he remembered it. Sooner or later, he was going to put it down on paper. He was writing these thinly veiled stories about people he knew. And he basically told all their secrets. The response was, how could your friend do this to you? He must have known that there was danger in all of that. Once you blend fiction and nonfiction, things get a little slippery. Truman used to always say, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. So watch out. <laughs> he had this terrible need to be loved. And I don't think Truman ever thought he was loved. So happy to bring on Jonah Feingold. I, what a charming guy. We had a great conversation, and I, I really look forward to bringing him back on the podcast as soon as possible. And same with Ebes, by the way, both tremendous people. But in Jonah's film is called Dating in New York. It's definitely a millennial comedy. I mean, but it's, it's a great example of a movie for the whole family, grandparents down to the kids. So IFC Films is proud to present millennial rom-com Dating in New York, written and directed by Jonah Feingold in his feature directorial debut, featuring a standout cast of emerging actors and comedians. Dating in New York debuted at the 2021 Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, Wendy, played by Francesca Rial, and Milo, played by Jabuki Young-White, both jaded about their love lives, are thrown together at what might be the worst, most complicated time for romance in their lives. However... In spite of their reluctance, the magic of New York and a few profound text messages just might be the transformative force they need to find love. Uh, their L-train field quest for love ultimately begs the question, can happily ever after truly exist in the age of red receipts? Um, this is uh, my conversation with uh, the filmmaker Jonah Feingold here on Film Wax Radio. Is that going to make it to your Instagram? What? I'll see you again for drinks next week. We'll do drinks next week. No. I no. think you're obsessed with Instagram. I think First you, of all, you, have more, you said you were 6'2". Am I not present yes, with you, you right now? You lied. <sighs> Dating sucks. sucks. Cheers to being single. What? Sorry. I'll just be single forever. It's, it's New, New York. York. Acknowledging that we both want all the benefits of a relationship without the torture of actually being in one. I have come up with this little gem. You guys are friends with benefits? This is going to end poorly for you. It's going to work out. We could be each other's guides. I could teach you how to not be ghosted. I don't get uh. ghosted. I ghost. Excuse me, Jonah has a, uh, his logo in the corner in there. You know, uh, we're or trying to... High tech son of a gun. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to, to up the digital, digital Zoom game as much as I can on a daily I get basis. it. No, I've been trying to do that too. You uh, got a nice, you got a nice setup there. You got the mic, the wide I angle know, lens. It's, it's just a prop, but you know, works okay. Okay. for me. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I'm excited to be chatting. Uh, I'm excited to be here. So on Zoom, oh, if you have a certain level, I guess you can put a graphic on it. So I'm actually using... Uh, oh. a tool called camo which lets me use my iphone as my camera so that's why it's maybe a little bit hopefully a little bit more hd and on that i can put a watermark and so that's... i gotta i'll look into it yeah and oh. i know that the cam the camera on your phone is going to be 
higher level quality, right? Than most laptops or computer cameras, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can kind of like, you know, I can move this thing around like that and, you know, whole deal. I have also, you can sort of tell, you might like from, there's a little bit of a hot spot here. I also put a, uh, for just for mood and, and also because uh, I, I teach guitar sometimes and I, so cool. I have a wide angle on my left. Yeah. So wait, is that the wide angle? Is that a wide angle lens on top of your, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. There's probably a better way to do it, but yeah. And I can use it on my phone too. So no, it looks, it looks great. Uh, you'll love, Oh, you'll love. Yeah. It's called reincubate camo. I got to get it all set up. All right. It's a wonderful you're, tool. You're officially hired as my consultant done. <laughs> well, you know, we're utilizing tools, uh, it, for the, you know, all the things that the internet has to offer people like us, creative types, but I'm, you know, which kind of segues into the subject. Well, of course, there's your film called Dating and New York, two things that are both close to my heart. (laughs) (laughs) I'm almost in my 30s. So, you know, we're talking about a lifetime here of (laughs) but also I'm kind of curious, given your background, you hosted a podcast prior to making the movie, right? I did. Um, well, funny enough, I actually hosted the podcast after the film was done. And then now oh. when the film is released, um, I, that I no longer do. It was sort of in the in-between period, this sort of year and a half long period of time uh-huh. where the movie was getting completed. It was a pod, which is actually why I had this fancy mic. Thank you, Hinge, um, which I'm not returning this to them. <laughs> don't, um, don't return it. Yeah, it, it was a podcast. Well, first I had started a podcast with my sister called Los Angeles Ships, which was a podcast about dating in LA. Uh, my sister and I are very close yeah, in age. Yeah, I know. Yeah, um, it's off brand. It's too off brand. Yeah, which we don't. That's sequel. That's later. But that <laughs> that brought me to ultimately be hired by um, a company called Hinge, and my friend Alana Dunn and I hosted this podcast called Dating Sucks that was basically an exploration of modern romance. And we both, you know, the whole thesis was we're not experts. We're just here to act as a sort of 30,000 foot view of, of, of the main complaints of modern dating. And we were able to use data and polling and uh, algorithmic information about the way these apps work to help the audience understand best practices and understand topics like what happens when someone ghosts you? What should you do? And we interviewed experts. We sat down with, you know, a political speechwriter to help write the perfect breakup text. And th- we 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 talked to, uh, you know, a th- just like just fun people that you would never expect to offer you dating advice. Uh, Interesting. So good- I got to make dating stuff still out there. It's evergreen, right? It's evergreen. Um, it's 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 evergreen, and that was eventually. You know, once we were done with Hinge, eventually shut down their content platform, and we uh, spun that off into a new series called Seeing Other People. And her and I, I think it's interesting to note that uh, her and I had gone on a couple dates, and we remain very good friends. And it's sort of a, uh, it was a fun way to understand the modern dating space, particularly in New York, as, in the, as it pertains to our film, uh, and making that feel more relatable. You went to USC, I believe, right? Films? Yeah. And yeah. You, what year did you graduate? I'm 2013. 2013. So it seems as though the majority, if not all of your date, your dating life or your time as someone who could date, I yeah. don't know, you know, as a potential dating person, there's always been dating apps around. That's a really good point. Um, yeah. You know, funny enough, actually, the found, I believe one of the founders of Tinder went to USC. So USC was one of the first places where whisperings of this new app called Tinder were popping up. And so I've, I think I've lived long enough in the dating, modern dating world where it started off as being something that was like sort of like not cool. Like you don't want to be on Tinder. You don't want to be on the apps. It's weird. Now to a phase of... And for some people, desperate. And for some people, desperate. <laughs> yeah. Ex- yeah. Um, but now you go to the New York Times vows section and, you know, 50% of those are people that met via some digital app of some sort. Uh, so it's been right. cool to see us as a society sort of accept these tools. Yeah. And, and, and I think it really made a inroads into the, into the senior population. That was a big deal. 
I, funny enough, I helped my mom with her hinge profile. You know, I, what did your you, dad say about that? <laughs> I think he was, you know, they're, they're divorced, but very good friends. Okay. And I think ultimately very supportive. Yeah. At halfway the joke out of my mouth, I realized, you know, he, he could have passed away. It's not. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's a good joke regardless. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Well, your dating app in the movie, again, it's called dating in New York. It's, I think it's a homage to Annie Hall when Harry met Sally these classic dating movies in beautiful, charming New York. But your dating app is called Meet Cute, which I thought was a great name because, you know, even the term is kind of used a lot in movie reviews. You know, it's like, it so happens, you know, Harry and Sally meet cute, you know, through friends or what have you, you know. These obviously older movies had quite an impact on you as a a filmmaker and a storyteller, right? They certainly did. And they do every single day. I mean, I literally just watched shop around the corner for, you know, the fifth time the other day. And I, I, I think it's, they provide a sense of escapism that I really, really, you know, really like seek, seek often. And I, we were thinking about what are the rules going to be for this dating app? You know, I wanted to make a movie where their meet where their meet cute was quite literally just swiping, right? Well, how can we sort of get even more meta and self-referential? Well, the app should just be called Meet Cute. And it's kind of a nod to the screenwriting, you know, writers rules of rom-coms where the Meet Cute needs to happen on page, you know, eight or 15 or whatever it's going to be in your story. And uh, we wanted it to be self-aware. And so it's sort of like this mischievous app. You know, it's an app that kind of uh, is playing the role of, of, of plot and narrator. And it's, it's reminding the characters have they have you caught up with each other you know and it's that was the impetus for that it's also i agree it's like just why isn't there an app called meet cute <laughs> like you know at this point well because uh, you you invented it right. in, in a fictional world so right. now although it hasn't stopped probably other people but you referenced shop around the corner which i i, I thought was also most people i would assume of your generation would have right would have maybe known sleepless in seattle right which is of course the remake a lot of people don't know you've got mail i think you've got uh, mail thank you you've got mail that makes more sense yes but both fantastic Seattle was entirely original (laughs) yes yeah well as they say i think i think it's a I think by way of you got mail i always heard that it was a sort of uh, adaptation of shop around the corner and but then you go look for the classic rom-coms because i think everything is ultimately everything is derivative of something else and you know right. shop around the corner it, it just it's it's uh this idea of identity and you know secret romance and sort of misconnections is something that's right. that's super timeless so yeah. that movie, shakespeare right yeah yes um so that's it was a movie that you know his girl friday is another one that we really referenced um uh shop around the corner Oh, what am I? I mean, Casablanca in some ways, you know, but like uh, those movies that just even from the score of sort of old like Leonard Bernstein, you know, that was it's just inspiring because it's so it does feel different enough to go back and watch that material and say this is so fresh and so new, even though it's not, but it feels fresh compared to modern movies in a sense. And so we were excited. Everyone in every department was excited to just go watch all these sort of classics and say what can we take from here and what can we still innovate on Mm, yeah right uh there were so many great romantic comedies they used to be called screwball comedies they're still there i mean they're one and the same yours is a screwball comedy too right it's about uh, a young guy milo right just you can insert the actors names because they're mostly emerging actors you cast Jabuki on white. Yeah. Sort of a v- very well-known Twitter character and comedian. And, um, comedian yeah. yeah. And he meets, uh, he meets uh, Wendy at a wedding and then they kind of agree to have a friends with benefits. I'm just using shorthand. It's, sure. It's yeah. yeah. In that. And of course there's obviously a great deal of, uh, you know, r- romantic chemistry there. We have never have a moment's doubt that these two are going to end up together, <laughs> right. but it's the fun part is seeing how that happens. Right. Yes. And Wendy is played by, Francesca Rielli. Correct. Yes. <laughs> and Tri- trivia. You know, and is now I noticed in the press notes, thanks to Sarah, that 
you're, you're, you were very, one of the earliest films that really had an impact on you was Steven Spielberg's Hook. So when yes. I saw that you named the character Wendy, I immediately put a connection there. Am I wrong? <laughs> no, you're, you're, very, you're very correct. I mean, that's, and even going back to the iconography of like the original Peter Pan film, which, you know, it's, it, it, def, I don't think it stands the test of time, but going back to that sort of classical Disney era, um, and naming this a character, Wendy is a name of a, Wendy is a character that she is sort of the first person who had to deal with like the first, we call it fuck boy, you know, the first person that really like the douchebag kid that messed her up in like middle school, you know, we all have that mind for me. It's a girl that I had a crush on in second grade and it just was never going to work out. And like, that's where my heart first got broken. You know, Wendy from Peter Pan had to deal with this immortal little kid in tights who, you know, would take her on adventures, then, you know, this horrible experience. And in many ways, Wendy's character is someone who has been, um, has been let down by the, the people she's dated. And so there is sort of a deeper connection, connectivity to Wendy's character of never wanting to be an ex again. And, uh -huh. um, and the, the Wendy from Peter Pan. Well, glad I caught on to that. I was yeah. completely off the mark there. Yeah. And then you also use the narrator, which people will recognize and know maybe he's maybe the most famous person in the movie. I might be wrong, but it is Jerry Ferrara, who is, of course, known for his many years playing Turtle in Entourage, who plays uh, Milo's parents, Upper West Side Doorman. <laughs> and Correct. I got it right. Yeah. I saw the movie. Yeah. And, then, um, and also the, the film's narrator. Well, yeah. It's another classic device going back. Yeah, you know, I... Yeah, I, 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 um, I love, I love narrators. I, I, I love everything from like the Into the Woods narrator and the way that that narrator is treated in that, in that, in that show. And I love, you know, the use of narration and in, in just the way that we would be told like fairy tales in school, like you know, and the Princess Bride, obviously, you know, all these different ways. And I think someone like Jerry, like I think the idea is that your doorman, so it knows everything about right. you, right. <laughs> It's so why true. would they not narrate, you know? Yeah. They know who's going in and out of the apartment. They have, they're privy to a lot of, and, you know, it's interesting because they're a big part of their job is discretion, right? You know? Mm -hmm. And did you grow up on, on the Upper West Side or did you grow up in Manhattan? I grew up in Manhattan. I did not grow up on the Upper West Side. I went to lower school on the Upper West Side. I have many friends who grew up there. And, you know, funny enough, the reason that we were on the Upper West Side was because of a friend's apartment that we could shoot that exterior shot at um which actually you know what i'm realizing this as i say this yes milo lives on the upper west side but that is the lobby of the is it the tompkins square is it the the ludlow hotel um so it's actually a hotel exterior that we shot at and uh sort of did some set dressing to make it feel more like an apartment Got you right. These are tricks of the trade. I mean, everybody does this. I'm even surprised in this day and age when there are such, um, not in this film, but in other films where I see such blatant cases of cutting different parts of New York together as though, you know, it, but it, it you know, you have a city as sprawling as, as New York City and it, it lends itself to that and uh, for practical purposes, right? So you shot everything on the streets of New York City, right? Yeah, we shot everything in the streets of New York City, unless we sort of said that we were in a different location. I think you bring up a great point, which is lots of New York movies will be under the magnifying glass of people who are going to say, well, they were just on 25th Street. And now they're in Brooklyn. How is that possible? Yeah. And our whole crew is, you know, NYU grads or um, New Yorkers. And we were all like, we're not going to we can't do that. We got to explain to the audience where we are going and why we're going there. And uh you know you felt uh, compelled i felt compelled to make sure that we were not lying to our audience in terms of location so if you look at it everything tracks um there might be one one thing that you could call oh, us allowed you're allowed yeah yeah and um but by the way that also goes for our digital stuff as well you know everything from like the timing on the instagrams and the text messages and the phone sequences if you look at every single detail it technically would play into this the season the time 
the battery level, all this, the characters on the text messages thread, it's all supposed to be connected. It's fun. It's world building um, in the rom-com world, at least. But as you, as I think we were kind of getting to it, this, you know, earlier in our conversation, the, when you strip away all the technology, you strip away all of the bells and whistles, shall we say, you're back to just the classic formula, right? Boy meets girl. Boy loses girl. Boy gets girl back. Yeah. Sorry if there's spoilers there, but uh, yeah, you know, it's called Dating in New York. You wrote and directed it. It's your first feature, correct? First feature film. Yeah. Wow. And IFC Films is distributing it. That's not bad. Where did you get to? I know you probably had to do a lot of post production, if not some of the production during COVID, right? Sorry we uh, up, uh, negative associations, but I'm wondering, were you able to do festivals and yeah um we so we we shot right before covid we shot in november of november december 2019 um we did post-production which included adr scoring you know editing not all of our editing but a majority of our testing of the whole film you know our day-to-day cutting we still got to do in real life because nothing nothing crazy had happened yet um then we did color correction and then we went a couple months of just figuring out what we were going to do with the film. And we actually got to play at Tribeca Film Festival this past year. So, you know, homecoming for a movie like this, certainly. Totally. And yeah, that's wonderful. It was right before Tribeca that we were able to, you know, team up with the incredible IFC, which is obviously an insane dream come true as someone who has gone to that theater and watched all their films on repeat for many, many years. And it, uh, it, it all sort of somehow magically worked out. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's coming out on uh, uh, theatrically as well as on, on platforms on uh, the 10th of September. Right. So people will probably be watching this. Us talk on that same day. Possibly. Wow. Wow. So same day. So if you're watching this, yeah, no, (laughs) you can go, you can go watch the movie too. Exactly. You can go from here right now. Well, give a few more minutes because we'll say goodbye, but uh, yeah. And then you can watch it and you should come back on with your next project. I think we have a lot to talk about. I would love that, Adam. I, I, and I appreciate you watching the film and, and, and supporting it. And yeah, if you guys are watching this on the same day, if you're looking for a nice rom-com for a second date or a third date or to just, you know, watch while you're uh right eating your postmates or something like that or go to the theater if you feel comfortable and while like the older generation is missing like the, there aren't parents so that i unless i'm i just remember just this group of this generation or maybe in the wedding scene right at the end yeah right yeah, yeah that makes sense but uh there's it, it's in, in, essentially it's it's their bubble that they live in, you know, and their experiences in this point of their lives. However, I mean, it's a really nice film for everybody to watch. You can watch it with your parents, you know, and share stories like about maybe if parents will have a, you know, it's comedy and it's a fantasy to some degree about New York and about dating in New York, but it could also, but there's a lot of truths in it and, and that people are going through, you know, and it's a very diverse film and, uh, another reason I really appreciated it. Uh, and so, you know, I think people should sit, hang out and watch it with their friends and family. I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I completely, I, I did the, you know, I did the grandparents test. I sent oh. it to, I sent it to my friends, grandparents. And I said, I'm curious what they pick up on. Like, can you watch this movie? And um, there was, it's still, it, it, everyone takes away something different from it, whether it's, looking at these apps and saying, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. I wasn't raised in this generation in terms of trying to find modern romance or, or they see something that feels classical about the film and the the music and the way it's sort of shot. Um, but I do feel like there's something in it for everybody, no matter what age you are. And if anything, uh, if you're hopefully, if you're, if you're on the dating apps, uh, you know, it's, it's an accurate portrayal of what's going on on all those things. Well, thank you, Jonah. Good luck with everything. Thank you, Adam. This was the this was great, and uh, I I hope to uh, keep in touch on your pro camera setups and and all future <laughs> projects. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, kind of getting it, starting to get it, you know. But I got some good good valuable uh, advice from you at the beginning about uh, 
camo it's called uh in, uh, re incubate camo yeah it's a complicated name for what it does but okay um all right it's thank it's you. a lovely app all right take care have a great day thank you all right can you guys go on dates with other people Duh. Duh. that's the whole point yeah, yeah. makes sense right you could use help not dating douchebags. One more thing. The words, I love you, cannot be used in an affectionate way. Oh. Important question. What happens when one of you catches feelings? Uh, you mean if one of us catches feelings? Yeah. Yeah, if. Whenever two people start sleeping together, it gets complicated. What's going on here? What? What? You guys are more into each other than you were before. You know, what? So what is this? Something is different. I mean, I want Wendy to like me. I got a date. All right. Why are you being moody? I'm not. You're being a child. I'm not being a child. You're being a child. We're not Think a couple. They're definitely fighting to, like a couple. You know, Maybe we should stop. What am I doing? I can't get Milo out of my head. Do you not want consistent sex without the emotional attachment? I want that, but I also want the emotional attachment. Only in New York could you make out in front of a bunch of garbage and it's still romantic. What if we became boyfriend and girlfriend? Why would I pick a flavor and just go with that flavor when I could try all the flavors? Because then you never really get to experience just one good flavor. What are you guys really talking about? Thanks, everybody. I hope you have a great week ahead. We'll be back, of course, next week with a brand new episode of the podcast. Don't forget to check out FilmWax's YouTube channel, where you can get far more content and watch great episodes of me and my guests. Thank you for tuning in these past 10 years as we enter our 11th year next week. This is your host, Adam Shartoff. The name of the show is FilmWax Radio. Take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Until next time. Man, the loving hand that you fell for, that you fell for. I took my fear back to Galileo. They told me, son, just count your blessings. I wandered through those streets such a wooden man. And I felt so low the man I used to know that you fell for, that you fell for.